After college, Sam Adams wrote news reports. At the same time, he worked at a ski resort. Sam went to law school in Maine. In addition to privacy, he ran a political campaign. And uh, with that, I am thrilled to introduce uh, Samuel Adams. He's the AdTech Privacy Council at uh, the Future Privacy Forum. And uh, thank you so much for joining the podcast, Sam. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's uh, get underway here. So um, you grew up in Maine. Talk a little about growing up, and um, did you always envision yourself as, you know, a privacy lawyer working at uh, FPF, or, or talk a little about, you know, what you wanted to be growing up? Yeah, so I grew up in a, um, a little town called Yarmouth, which is in the state of Maine. It's in like the southwest corner. It's just north of Portland. It's between Portland and. Freeport, which is where the L.L. Bean store is located. It's right on the coast, sort of an idyllic little New England town. Um, uh, it, it, it's a great place, was a great place to grow up. Uh, you know, I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, I don't really know what I saw myself becoming uh, when I was in Yarmouth, other than wants to uh, ski. Like, that's all I really wanted to do. Um, and I didn't real I didn't realize that quite frankly until uh, until I was uh, about to graduate from my undergraduate uh, and I was I did an exchange program in Washington DC um, and I got a, an internship on the small business committee of the United States Senate I was working on the staff of Senator Olympia Snow who was then the senior senator from uh, from Maine uh, really didn't I that really that position really didn't sit well with me and uh I had sort of a I guess you could call it like a first quarter life crisis uh, or you know some point where I, I just got spooked and so I uh I flew westward to Colorado uh to a small town called Telluride uh where I skied for four years that's that's all I really that's all I really did uh but when I was there I was also a newspaper reporter um because i had because i had some research and some writing skills and there was a local paper that had a, a job posting so you know i went there and they were they were thrilled to have me great great um, so we'll uh we'll get into that uh, coming up here but let's just focus a little bit more on you know growing up so did you think about you know being a lawyer in, in high school and then also get into maybe did you have any uh, high school jobs yeah well i had a high school job that was just down the road it was um uh, it was kind of, uh, it was like a warehouse job where I was fan sanding furniture for a, uh, what at the time was a very popular furniture, uh, uh, um, furniture maker called Main Cottage Furniture. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I never really had the, I, I never really had the self-confidence to, to say definitively that I want to go to law school. Um, I, I'm not a very, um, I needed some time. I needed some 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 personal development time. So I worked odd jobs. I get moved around the country. Uh, just sort of lived like a uh, sort of lived like a uh, sort of like a wandering wandering soul for a while. But then I moved back to Maine, studied for law school, went to law school. Here we are. Interesting. Now, um, okay, so let's get to your college time in college. Um, so you went to uh, New York and uh, Ithaca College and. 
talk a little bit about that. I think you started getting into newscasting, which you did a little bit later in your career too. So uh, talk about uh, your time there at Ithaca College. Yeah, so I um, I did a, a major. So the Ithaca College has a big communication school. Um, that's one of its uh, one of its crown jewels is the uh, the communication school there. So so I went to the communication school and I, I knew I wanted to do something in kind of media and tech um, and public relations. I was always interested in in uh, sort of um, sort of news and journalism. Um, and I thought that PR was just a good way to, to, you know, end run around having to go to journalism school. <laughs> uh, and then when I was, so when I was there, uh, the, the major that I studied is called integrated marketing communication. It, it plays, it, it includes the study of marketing, advertising, advertising metrics, new online digital ecosystem. I graduated in 2011. Uh, and I didn't think I would ever touch that stuff again, um, but here I am now as uh, policy counsel um, in advertising technologies at uh, FPF, and I just never really thought I would boomerang to this, uh, to back to this area, but but here we are, and it's a fascinating area, and it's developed a lot since 2021, or 2011, excuse me. Interesting. Now, what was the motiv- What was uh, the motivation to be, um, you know, in the news, newscaster, writing? Um, probably I saw a uh, visiting speaker come through, um, big, uh, um, name in NBC news, Lester Holt came by and did deliver some remarks at the, uh, uh, communication school. And he said something that stuck with me, which was if nothing else, a, a life in journalism is just, it's fun. It, it's just fun. You interview all these different people, you get access that you otherwise wouldn't, um, and when I later got a job as a small town reporter, I, I saw what he was talking about. Um, and so when, when I was, you know, when I was in uh, undergrad, when I heard that from Lester Holt, uh, I was thinking to myself, God, like, I really love to spend some time actually working or, you know, studying journalism um, as it uh, properly. And so I did that extra semester in college to study journalism. And uh, I was that was a, a fantastic semester. That's great. Well, um, okay. So then let's get, uh, you talked about it a little bit earlier, but you, I think right after college, uh, were, were an intern, uh, you know, for, for Senator Snow and get into that. Um, you know, that's not quite along the newscaster, uh, route. So talk about, you know, that decision and, and your experience yeah. there. Well, I, uh, some added context. Um, when I was doing my semester internship, uh, I, I was, uh, or my semester in DC, I, part of the requirement was that you get an externship somewhere. And so having studied PR, I got a, um, I got, had a connection to a big PR firm there, uh, in DC. So I, I was an intern there and, um, I was trying to plot like a, a successful career in public relations in DC. And the thing that I, the, the recurring theme that I kept hearing was, you know, knowledge, information is power in this city. And if you, uh, if you want to chart a career, a great place to start is on Capitol Hill, since so much of Washington's tempo is set by the congressional calendar, uh, and then just Congress in general. So uh, that that motivated me to apply um, to Senator Snow's office. Uh, and it just so happened, I really lucked out. Like I, I went to her office and, and introduced myself. I said, I'm the constituent, literally, I'm from Maine. 
um, and here's my resume. I'd love to work for Senator Snow in any way I can. And they had an opening on the small business committee at the time. Um, and she was the, she was the chair of the small business committee. So, you know, we had the, uh, no, actually, excuse me, if I'm recalling correctly, she was not the chair. She was the minority chair. Um, but still we had, you know, walked in and out of the Capitol Dome every day, wore a suit when I was in the, uh, I think it was in the, I forget which Senate building, what Senate office building I was, but it was, it was one of those very big, you know, imposing public edifices. It was a very good experience. That's great. Now, were you thinking about politics at that time, or that was more just a way to get yourself into the better, you know, PR uh, jobs there? Yeah, definitely never saw myself um, as politics, as a politics guy, because um, I just, I think I like to lead my, my sort of, um my res the respect i have for for privacy maybe, maybe you know hindsight's 2020 maybe this is just hindsight speaking but i never wanted to let my life be exposed to the pub to the public uh, to a, the to be a public image or a public person um yeah that, that never really set well so it was mostly you know it was it was really motivated out of a desire to be a you know uh just a better sort of more knowledgeable DC worker. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now, you know, were you planning on staying in DC? And I guess talk about you ended up moving out to Colorado. Maybe you talked to you needed a you had the skiing itch. What uh, what was the the push to go there? Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kicking myself because I said earlier uh, it was a great experience, but that contradicted a statement even earlier where I said it was not uh, not a great experience. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I don't really want to get into too many of the details, but it just wasn't it, it wasn't the right fit. I felt like I was trying to push a, smash a square peg through a triangle hole. You know, it just it wouldn't. It, it wasn't right for me at the time, um, and I have to say, like I, I hadn't. I hadn't really, I didn't really enjoy that, that period of my life in DC, um, again, for personal reasons, but, uh, um, sort of, sort of felt like I would, yeah, again, oil and it felt like oil and water at the time. And, but, but, you know, when I left, I said to myself, I, I can definitely sense that I'm going to come back to this place. Hmm. Uh, just a matter of when really. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I think uh, a lot of jobs or experiences you look back at on one hand, there's there's positives and negatives and depending on how you view it. But um, now, so so get into a little bit more of your, your job in Colorado. So you moved out of D.C., you went to Colorado and uh, you were working as a small, small town news reporter. You, you were also skiing there, working at uh, the ski resort. So just to get into that. Yeah. So I, I, when I first moved out there, I moved out with, I shipped like three or four boxes of items and uh, packed a couple of, a uh, couple of, checked a couple of bags at the airport, one way ticket to, um, to uh, Montrose, Colorado, and then, you know, an hour and a half drive to, to Telluride from there. Um, it, when I first got there, I was a ticket checker. So I was the guy that was right at the bottom of a major ski lift and would scan your ticket and say hi and answer questions. I got to say that was the best job I've ever had in my entire life because I've never had a job where every 45 minutes I can go take a ski run, like guaranteed ski time all the time. Uh, and some days it was even better uh, where it would be like a half hour skiing and a half hour work. Um, 
and I lived on, I lived in like resort housing. So it was sort of like a dorm situation, but we all had our own room and bathroom and mini kitchen. Um, it was just a really exciting, exciting time. It wasn't until after my first winter there where everyone on the resort gets laid off until the, uh, until the beginning of the summer season. Um, so I, uh, stayed there and, um, it was during that sort of in between winter and summer, sort of the spring era where I found that there was a little print print newspaper there that was looking for a writer for, you know, work for pennies. But, you know, the thing about Telluride is that it's got film festivals that come through. It's got, you know, major, major music festivals, major um, like beer and wine festivals. It's an absolutely gorgeous town with lots of interesting people there. It was a really good small town to be a journalist in it was it was it was never boring it was always exciting I mean Lester Holt's words were were again it proved so true um I that I didn't last in that position because unfortunately the newspaper sold uh and they sold to their competitor in town and they were not hungry for writers so you know finish the sentence um but then you know it was at that it was after a little bit after that time worked a few more odd jobs that I came back to study for law school Interesting. Now get into what were some of those uh, interesting things that you covered back then? Do you remember? Oh God. Um, yeah, there's, so Telluride is, it used to be a mining town in the 19th century. So there are a lot of sort of underground caves um, where people can, you know, I, I remember one, I, I forget, I forget where it was, how it was used in the mining era, but it's this big cave that you walk into and uh, it's an artist's studio in there. And this guy makes like major welded uh, installations that gets sold off to, you know, all around the country. I mean, it's like a big, big situation this guy's got going under there. So I walk into this, I walk into this like cavernous, it's almost like a bat cave almost, cavernous, dark, but with, you know, construction lights or like floodlights uh, around the artist studio where he's like welding and, you know, cutting stuff and, um, you know, doing things that require personal protective equipment, uh, obviously safety equipment, not just, you know, okay. Um, but you keep walking, so I walk, he's like, you should go do a loop. And I'm like, a loop? He says, yeah, walk in that direction and keep walking, don't make any turns. So I walk in a loop and I swear I'm walking and I have my cell phone flashlight with me and I see off in the distance, it's like this dark yellow school bus that's way off in the distance. So I'm like, what the heck is that? So I flash my flight. It's this old decommissioned school bus that the guy uses to drive around the country and to hang out in festivals. And it's like painted and it's got all this, you know, all this, all this, you know, standard fare that you, or standard gear that you would see for a festival lined up, but like it, for a large capacity of people, I keep walking and there's like a hollowed out area and I, and I turn my flashlight and it, it's like, it looks like a creepy old abandoned movie theater because it's this big projector screen with, you know, theater seating um, around it, uh, you know, and and um, sort of, you could say a, a, a small scrap yard I walked by too, where it's like all the stuff that's straight from the 50s, 60s and 70s that the guy uses for some of his installations, the spares are just thrown in a pile. So it looks like a graveyard of Americana. Uh, it, it was just bizarre. And the guy himself was just a 
real interesting, interesting guy. At the time, the installation that he was making was, was actually for a local thing. He was making a, so if anyone's been to a ski resort, sometimes you see like Adirondack chairs that are cut and made from old skis. So it's, you know, so it's slats of wood, you have slats of, of skis. This one was a ski Christmas tree. So all the branches were skis, uh, you know, and anyway, it was light up. It had like built-in lighting. It was, it was a whole thing. That was for the town's upcoming celebration of, uh, of, of winter. Um, you know, I talked to the guy who, I, I talked to someone who was trying to, trying to found, like making a, trying to found uh, or establish, I should say, a uh, um, sort of a uh, an organization that would host molecular uh, people who are very much into. Um, oh God, I'm, it's going to escape me. I, I think it's molecular biology, chemistry, really, really STEM focused. That uh, STEM focused organization that can attract that was intended to attract uh, scientists all around the world to come to Telluride, meet talk push the science further uh while being in a really a, a beautiful town um so i talked to her about founding that like what what role that would play what impact that could have on science um it's you know no no shortage of interesting people there to talk to yeah that's fascinating okay so then um again so you know what i guess get into a little bit you went back to maine and and you're getting ready for law school so what was the decision there as far as to leave uh telluride and, and move on in life yeah i mean well it's a small town it's a small town and i'm a reporter so i am i am uh reporting on people who i bump into while buying broccoli at the grocery store right so it's a small town but you're a reporter, so it, you just run into a lot of awkward social situations. Um, and I mean, imagine if New York was the size it was a you know a, uh, a twelve by five block area, and it had three thousand people. Now you're uh, you're a New York Times reporter, and you're writing pieces that uh, others don't really like. You're going to hear about it. Um, so Telluride always felt like it had a, that when I got my job as the reporter, it felt like a sort of the expiration date was set for like a couple of years from then. I was going to, I felt like, okay, if I stay here longer than that expiration date that I sensed was coming up, I would never have left and I would still be there and I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> uh, so I moved, so I moved back because I, I knew that I was capable of more, uh, I knew I was capable of more, and uh, quite frankly, I just needed to kind of grow up. Uh, I, I was in a state of sort of suspended adolescence, the, the reporting job notwithstanding. Um, and, you know, it just felt like it was. It just felt like it was time. And, and I, I, by that point, my editor, um, you know, my editor and I would, you know, sort of in a friendly manner, but we would battle over how much detail I would want to provide about what the town decided to do or, you know, write a sort of a really uh, feature article on like the economics of the town and how it, how it's responded to the, to the, uh, the great recession of 07 to, to 2011. Um, and she said, you are a policy wonk. Um, 
you're, you're a better policy wonk than you are a reporter. And that was not an insult. It was just saying your interests might not align with what the re with what a typical reader would want. Um, so she was brilliant too. So I took that, I, again, I took that as a compliment to say like, you've got skills. Um, and so to, I, I sort of took that and was like, all right, what do I do with this? How do I get this going? Um, it's funny when I, my, my application to law school included uh, my, my, my essay as, as they all do. And my essay started off by saying, I was working on the top of a chairlift at 12,000 foot altitude with stunning 360 snow-capped peaks, a um, little bit of snow, perfect setting, very peaceful, very calm, but I'm on, my face is glued to my phone and I'm reading the abstract to the District of Columbia versus Heller Supreme Court case. Uh, this was after the Sandy Hook shooting. And I was trying to rationalize, you know, District of Columbia versus Heller. They've been saying that a lot in the news uh, in response to the to the issue of gun control. And I, 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 I had to understand what that was. This was right when I moved uh, out to Colorado. Um, and so reflecting on my time in Colorado, I said, like, I must have been the only person that was up at 12,000 foot altitude with no, like, immediate appreciation of the surroundings but just my head is so somewhere else in law in policy and in, in current events uh in politics if you will mm -hmm. uh it, it it just um normal people don't do that and so i i took that and ran with it and that was that was the intro to my to my to my uh to my thing okay yeah great story now um uh, so you ended up staying in maine for for law school you went to uh, you went to uh, Maine School of Law, so get into that. I mean, I know they obviously have a huge privacy program, but uh, you probably weren't thinking that coming in, right? Yeah, no, I no, I wasn't. Um, I I went against everyone's advice and went to law school without fully understanding, you know, without a without a clear picture of what I would want to do. I just didn't want that pressure on me. I just wanted to experience my first year of law school, do as well as I could, and then start and then start to plot a course from there. Um, I studied for my LSAT, took the LSAT, got into law school. I didn't apply to any other law school as well. Uh, to oh. the, I applied to the University of Maine because I'm, you know, a Maine, I'm a person from Maine. And I, 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 I sort of, um, I'm very proud of that. And it's the only law school in the state. And um, being true to my roots, I, I, I went to the University of Maine School of Law. Now, you know, the flip side, I think what the listener is just saying, well, maybe you couldn't get in anywhere else. Uh, but I don't know that. It was the only law school that I applied to. Um, after my second year, um, we had sort of a, you know, my wife and I had sort of a, had to make a judgment call, a snap call. First year of law school, she's a professor at uh, Yale of um, music history. Uh, she's brilliant. She gets a call from the University of Alabama saying, "Do you want to? Uh, we want to fly you out to interview you." Uh, and she said, "Okay." She gets a call back saying, "You got the position. You got three days to decide." Wow. So we had to make a snap decision, and I, I, I couldn't be like, "No, don't go there." You know, no, don't take that position. It's what she's been working for her, you know, her entire professional life. So she. She went to Alabama 
And I finished my second year of law school at the University of Maine and flew down and did my third year of law school at the University of Alabama. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So now before law school, I think you did a little bit of work uh, at, you know, working in elder law and get into that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I was applying, when I was studying for the LSAT, um, it was uh, the job that I was working um, was, it was just so, it was so not a challenging environment and it, it nothing piqued my intellectual curiosity. Nothing interested me about the work. So I got, I applied for just a small little elder law firm, estate planning um, firm in, uh, in Portland. And well, so I was essentially, I was the receptionist there and it was fantastic. It was excellent. It was the first time I ever worked in a legal environment um, I really liked how fast it was. I liked how I liked interacting with clients. Um, I felt like I had a, I felt like it was just a natural, natural fit, even more so than the other, the other jobs that I had previously. Interesting. Now, um, okay. So let's get into a little bit of uh, some of your internships while you're in law school. So these were probably remote given uh, 2020 yeah. COVID, but, uh, you know, get into those, the center of democracy and, and technology. And you're already working at that point in privacy matters, HIPAA. So uh, talk about that. Was that because of Maine? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, so Trevor Hughes, who is the, um, uh, who is the head of the International Association of Privacy Professionals, went to the University of Maine School of Law. And it was during my first year of law school that he came in during some, you know, uh, um, he came in and addressed the first year law school, law students, all of us. So it was, you know, during class time, but he came in and talked to all of us. And he was standing there at the front of the room and he said, ah, I was in this exact same room and I was, and I sat right there and he pointed right to me. He's like, I sat in that seat and I'm like, oh, am I? <laughs> Am I the chosen one? Uh, yeah, sorry. He um, he was he 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 framed a working in privacy as as absolutely fascinating, and it, and it is. Um, and he he just sort of inspired a, a a curiosity to take every loss, every case that we got um that had to do with privacy. I wanted to. I found myself reading extra. Uh, like parts of law review articles, parts of blog posts to try to understand the privacy aspects of, uh, of cases across the sort of standard first year curriculum. Um, uh, my second my second year of law school, I took the information privacy course, which was taught by um, uh, Professor Hughes and taught by uh, uh, Professor um, Peter Guffin. Peter is the uh, is a partner at. Um, Oh dear Lord, I'm going to forget uh, uh, the, the the law firm name. Forgive me, Professor Guffin, but uh, he's a, a an attorney in Portland, brilliant guy. He and um, uh, Professor Hughes worked at uh, UNA, which is a, a local local quote unquote um, health, uh, insurance company, and, and that's where they met and started working on privacy together. Um, I I realized that privacy was my thing. Um, because it touches every, almost every other aspect, uh, almost every aspect of the economy, society, law, 
anywhere you are, there is a question of privacy. And, and so I sort of appreciate that ability to be exposed to, you know, broad areas of, of, um, of life in America, really. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then we'll get, so get into a little bit more about, uh, you know, that internship there working, um, you know, at the CDT and talk about that. Yeah. So my, so the internship was, um, I had to sort of sell the University of Maine School of Law to, on doing a remote externship. This was in 2019. Little did any of us know, right? So um, I, I reached out to CDT. Um, I had read a lot of their materials, uh, you know, for class prep or just for personal insight for for you know my own personal curiosity. So I really appreciated a lot of their a lot of their materials. Um, and, and I, health and health was a particular interest of mine. So I saw that, um, they were, that they were, uh, looking for a health intern in, in privacy law. So I applied, uh, went through application process and I really, um, I, I must've impressed them because I got the internship and, and the university of Maine school of law approved the remote internship. So it was fantastic. Um, and then right during that internship, everything shuts down. So you know, uh, how could any of us have known? Um, after that, uh, the CDT internship, um, I sort of rolled my experience. I wrote a, an internal memo to, CD, to CDT staff about uh, some issues having to do with uh, non-HIPAA covered consumer privacy, consumer health private uh, health data. Um, and, and sort of with that and uh, with that, I, I applied to future of privacy forum and, and I got an internship there. Um, and that I'm happy to say rolled into another semester long internship. So I was there for my entire third year of law school at FPF. Wow. Interesting. Um, okay. Well, just uh, going back a second power of Google here, uh, Professor Guffin apparently works at uh, Pierce Atwood. So there it is. <sighs> yes. But, um... great, a great Portland firm. Okay, and then, uh, yeah, so let's get into that. So at this point in time with FPF, you are already in uh, Alabama. So uh, talk about that work. Yeah, so that was um, health-focused. Uh, the CCPA was still was still new. Um, uh, Dobbs hadn't been overturned, so uh, that was absent from a lot of the discussions, uh, sort of a lot of the narrative about health privacy in the United States. Um we were concerned that, I guess, I'm not going to speak for CDT, but I'm still concerned about the um, proliferation of consumer health data in a relatively unregulated environment. Um, you know, it's we can get, have a long policy talk about what that means, um, but uh, to stick to stay on the rails here. Um, I, I learned, I, I self-educated, uh, through attending webinars and reading papers and having one-on-one -on -one conversations with CDT staff and learned about, um, the online ecosystem, especially for wearable devices, uh, and internet of things, health related internet of things, um, and wrote a memo that essentially argued that CDT should begin advocating for stronger protections of non-HIPAA covered consumer health data. Um, you know, flagging in the memo that at some point the health breach notifications, uh, the health, uh, health breach notification rule for 
the FTC might come under review. Um, uh, that was a tip from a, an attorney that I spoke with about the issue. And then little, little did I know that would actually turn out to be the case. Wow. Um, so it was an, it was an interesting area. It's an interesting area of law and it's one that's still developing. And for people that are considering a career in privacy, that's, that is one that is going to be in demand for a lot, for a long time to come. So if you're interested in health privacy there, there, it's an active area. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Now, Okay, so then uh, let's get into your work right after law school. Uh, you had the, uh, the privilege of working as a, a Weston Fellow with the IAPP, and uh, so so talk about that. Yes, so uh, the IAPP is located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and the University of Maine School of Law is located in Portland, Maine, so that's a, you know not a very far drive whatsoever. Uh, and so I sort of imagined when I was in law school that I was going to be an intern for or some other in some other way work for IAPP because it was just down the road and it's this, you know, world renowned uh, institution within privacy. So um, but so when when I was remote, when I was stuck in Alabama, I still said I still really I respect the IAPP and I, I, I really want to work, uh, still want to work for the IAPP. And, you know, the position that was open was the Weston Scholarship or the Weston Fellowship, excuse me, um, you know, applied for it, did the best application I could. I interviewed for it. Um, and and uh, obviously, I, obviously, I got the position um, and uh, it. It, it was fantastic because it, it was the first time that I was getting paid to do what I had been doing in law school. Um, it was just a, it was an excellent moment of uh, professional development, I guess you could say. I, I felt more confident in writing on topics having to do with privacy. Um, I met a lot of interesting people. Uh, I went to the um, Global Privacy Summit in Washington, D.C., uh, and um, sort of felt like I had found, sort of like I found my professional home, if you will, sort of talk about a boomerang all the way back to DC from, from when I originally left when I was, when I was there in April of that year, 2022, uh, it sort of, sort of became real uh, that oh. I can't, that I, you know, felt like I was back in town, if you will. Yeah, that's great. Now let's get into, uh, this is just a fascinating part of your career. So last year, um, you ran uh, as the Democratic Party nominee for uh, the Alabama House of Representatives. So what, uh, you know, got that idea into your head and, and talk about that? Um, you know, I think I'll put it in, I'll quote a, um, a fundraiser that I called a, a family friend just asking, you know, for 20 bucks the campaign um and uh he wanted to know he wanted to know more about the uh the 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 campaign and how he could help but he uh, wanted to know about the you know how did i how the hell did i end up in this position and uh so i told him and at the end this is someone that this is a, a parent of a uh, of a dear friend of mine from back in maine so this guy has known me for many many years and he said you would you would be a Democrat that just moved to Alabama from the northest, northernmost state on the eastern seaboard <laughs> and running against an incumbent, a well-established incumbent. You've never lacked chutzpah. <laughs> uh, you know, you've never last, lacked a, a, a tenacity. Um, 
Uh, that's what he said. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, this is so stressful. So, yeah. All right. Let me tell the story. So I went. So I got um, I was contacted by uh, a number of people um, asking if I was interested in running for the uh, for the D district 63 of the Alabama State House of Representatives. Take a step back. Um, that, you just uh, does everybody get a call? I'm still still waiting on mine. And people call you. Were you involved in politics there? How did that come to be? Not involved whatsoever. I just passed the bar, and I think what that means is I passed. Some, I, by passing the bar, I was the the. I got my bar license, and that means that I underwent some sort of a background examination. Right. So. I think that when my name came up on the rolls of newly administered and my address was listed as well, like my home address, that was found and it was it, it's located in District 63, which represents uh, a lot of the, a lot of the city of Tuscaloosa, but most specifically the University of Alabama Tus at Tuscaloosa campus. It's a 63,000 person resident uh, district. Um, you know, it was a sort of a 70-30 chance that uh, the Democrats were going to lose, but 30% is not bad considering what it was in previous years, that the, the district is coming becoming a little bit more purple. And they just needed someone to run. Um, we, you know, they had no one. And if we and if the Democrats had no one, then um, you know, it why engage at all in the civil civic process if uh if it's if it's going to be someone who's unopposed or if it's going to be a democrat that um you know has the time on their hands for that sort of i guess let me let me, let me back up the only reason why i felt confident accepting the nomination was because i had been to law school and i had received some baseline training in american law uh and american democratic institutions and it's only through that that I felt comfortable. And I'm glad that that's how I felt because the, the minority of Alabama lawmakers, in the, at least in the House of Representatives, a minority are lawyers. And the state wonders why a lot of their laws keep, you know, receiving a bunch of flack. Well, because you don't got many, you don't have lawyers writing your laws. Uh, and I, I just, I, I, I've always been, um, I don't know, I've always been kind of a sap for, uh um preserving um preserving the um the workings of of american democracy i know that that sounds so hacky but you know i i really took to heart um law school graduation ceremony speech about how law is both a sword and a shield um and the importance of our democratic institutions. I, I take that to heart. Um, and so I carried that forward with, with this, uh, with this nomination. Um, it was a lot of work, um, but I'm glad that I did it. And if I hadn't, I knew I would have regretted it. And I got to talk to and meet on a few occasions, Doug Jones, who former senator of Alabama, first Alabama, Dem Democratic Alabama senator in I don't know how many years. Um, he was a legal hero of mine. He uh, saw the, he you know, prosecuted a cold case of the Birmingham church bombings uh, many decades after the fact. It's just a legal hero of mine. So when he got on the horn 
and was talking to me about American democracy and and uh, the rule of law. I would, you know, take, I very closely paid attention to him and, and took what he said to heart. He's a good man. Wow, fascinating. Now, in you know, had you won, would you have dropped the uh, the privacy career and become a politician, or you're still thinking about no, that? No, uh... definitely would not have dropped the policy angle. Um, or the privacy angle, excuse me. Uh, you know, I think I would have, it, it, you know, in some ways, I think I'll speak for my family here. By that, I mean my wife and, and young child. Uh, uh, it's a relief that I didn't win because that means I would be splitting up a lot of my calendar year between here and Montgomery. Um, and, you know, it means that I would have to take a hit on, you know, here I am saying, you know, here I am trying to be Mr. Smith goes to Washington, but I'm like, hey, it would have been, difficult logistically uh-huh. but it really but it really would have um so no i would not have i would not have left my my area of uh privacy um yeah you know i, I would but i still if i had won uh been, been flattered um I, I i lost by the way i so 66 percent voted for the incumbent 33 percent voted for me i considered that uh a, a, a small victory um, that we were able to break the sort of 70-30 prediction. Yeah, well, fascinating, fascinating uh, career history there. So now let's get to where you're at now. Uh, actually, just yesterday was at uh, your, your ad tech working group meeting. So talk about, you know, now you're back at FPF from um, now working there full time after your, your internship uh, in law school. So talk about uh, what you do as uh, an in. And as a policy counsel at FPF, and of course you're working there, based in DC, but you're uh, in Alabama, and, and talk about mm-hmm. uh, your work there. Yeah, and let me um, let me just take a moment to say how much I appreciate Future Privacy Forum. I mean, just personally as well as professionally. I, I came to them saying I'm running for state office. Like that's the that's what I'm doing right now. And if I win, this is roughly what my obligations will be. And they hired me. In, in like you know, despite the fact that I my time was divided, they hired me. They remembered me from my internship, um, uh, and and they, uh, they they were very accommodating. Um, they they I couldn't have made that work without their accommodation. Um, so yes, I, I start working um, initially. I'm brought on as a fellow. Uh, I'm sort of thirty hours a week. Another 30 hours a week spent campaigning, but 30 hours with FPF. So I was I was engaged in some um, some background research for post-quantum cryptography um, and a few other smaller er- and a few smaller tasks. Um, but then after the after the election, uh, I was placed on a sort of a permanent assignment working within FPF's uh, ad practices and technology and platforms. Excuse me, ad tech, in other words. Uh, FPS ad tech work stream, which um, a lot of my day to day is administering a working group um, of uh, the the sort of the leading um, uh, leading privacy teams of, across uh, you know across a large section of the um, of the U.S. Uh, U.S. economy, particularly the consumer economy, since we're talking about advertising here, um, and uh, you know. You know, taking meetings with working group members to understand what challenges they face and how FPF can help. 
uh, what sort of, um, you know, what sort of issues we can highlight for discussion during working group calls where, where people can, you know, ask direct questions of speakers and get direct answers, um, sort of in a, in a, you know, semi-private um, area. Uh, we, we operate under Chatham House rules, which means, you know, you can take notes, but you can't, you can't attribute anything that uh, anyone says to any particular person. So it, it, the working group allows people to speak frankly about difficult issues and how to how to ensure that that's able to happen every month that we meet uh, requires a lot of a lot of background work, a lot of uh, a lot of um, honing in on a topic, finding the right speakers, uh, get everyone to be able to meet at the same time. Um, I also uh, run the working group uh, with FPF um, technologist and senior policy analyst Aaron Massey, uh, who's brilliant, comes from an academic background, um, absolutely brilliant in this area. He and I, he um, sort of, uh, you could say, leads the ad tech working group, um, and I administer the ad tech, uh, a lot of the ad tech working group day-to-day -day stuff. Uh, it's a great assignment because... Um, Every, everyone relies on ad tech, but not many people know ad tech. Right. And so I'm finally in a position where I can, you know, and I've felt that way. That's been my sense since I started in privacy a couple of years ago. And it, it's just now being in ad tech for a while, for a little while, it's been, um, it's only confirmed that, that, that sense. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Now, uh, looking forward, you know, you've been at so many different places, ski resorts, you've been, uh, you know, it, on, on the Hill, um, news reporter running for running for office uh, and, and, and more of a policy role, too. So talk about, you know, what's what's next for you in the future. Oh, my friend, if I if I had a crystal ball, um, I will be at FPF for for uh, a while longer. Um, it, it's, it's such an interesting, it, it's a, it's a job that lets me go, uh, two miles deep and a foot wide on, on subjects. And that's, that's really where I do my best work is when I'm focused and narrowly focused on a really complicated area that I can go very deep in. Um, and so I think, uh, and, and you know, that, that skill, as well as just the, the sort of people skills and the administration skills, um, you know, as well as the personal curiosity, you know, I think that that would go well with um, either law firm life or if I'm lucky enough, law firm life, or if I'm lucky enough, uh, uh, in-house life. Um, I, I like being in a, in a position where I can research something and advise on, on that research. Um, yes. Uh and so I think I think a lot of the audience uh, would agree that um, law firm might make a good a good look of sense there, um, but but you know you know again I'm down here in Sweet Home, Alabama, right? And a lot of these jobs are in Washington D.C., so there's natural tension there um, as to whether you know something remote could work. Um, I also have my bar license is in uh, Alabama, so I'll need to change that to D.C. for some law firm life. So there you know there's a lot of the future is uncertain and there are things that I need to do to clear a path for me. Um, but most of all, most of all, I just need, a, I just need more time for me to, to, to develop as a, as a, um, to develop into a, a, a policy, a privacy expert, um, which, uh, which I think is my, my ultimate goal here. And wherever I work, it's, 
that that's still going to be the goal. That's great. Okay. My last question for you is just, uh, you know, Sam, you've been at, you know, like you said, so many different places and experiences. What do you feel like the steps that you've taken throughout your career that uh, have really you know helped you get to where you are today? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Trying to uh, let me be thoughtful here for a minute. Yeah. So much of any success that I have, I think it comes down to hard work and being nice to people, or maybe not being nice, that's not the right way to phrase it, but being affable gregarious um trying to be charismatic trying to be trying to be good with with people um and hard work those conan o'brien on his he was a personal hero of mine i love conan o'brien um i have from for many years on his last night at late night with conan o'brien on nbc before he went to his ill-fated uh tenure as uh, host of the tonight show he said he writ lists off this big name list of people who uh who he wants to personally thank and so he gets after that he gets to his final closing remarks for the episode he said if you work hard and you're nice amazing things will happen to you um I took that, I listened to him say that in another life. I was still an undergraduate at the time. Um, but that always stuck with me. And it always, it always, it consistently proved right. Um, that, you know, frankly, no one wants to work with a jerk, right? No one, no one really, uh, no one appreciates that. And it's hard to build relationships if that's, if that if that's a circumstance that's present, um, you know, a jerk can be a hard worker, produce a lot, um, but he, he or she or whomever misses out on an opportunity to really connect with colleagues, connect with clients, um, forge personal relationships with people. Um, you know that, and I, and I got that from. I got, you know, that insight comes from Conan, but I applied it to working as a dishwasher, working as a lift a, a ticket checker, working as a, especially as a reporter, working as, uh, you know, answering the phone from constituents at the U.S. Senate. Um, strong people skills and, and hard work, um, that'll, that, that, that works for any profession as far as I'm concerned. Um, if you're going to get into privacy, you know, throw on, you know, try to develop the skill of having to drop everything and read a really gnarly document that just dropped on Friday, uh, because that's sort of the life of uh, privacy is, you know, as you well know, working and working in a, in a firm, uh, things do tend to come out on Friday. So uh, developing a uh, maybe a higher, a higher degree of uh, patience Um it's probably the the best uh, privacy specific advice I can offer right now. Be be patient uh, and be kind to yourself and others. All right, great advice. And uh, okay, with that, I'll read the uh, little rhyme and then we'll we'll wrap it up. So, after college, Sam Adams wrote news reports. At the same time, he worked at a ski resort. 
Sam went to law school in Maine. In addition to privacy, you ran a political campaign. And uh, thank you so much, Sam, for, for joining me. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.